we may have circumstances where this person did this to me or this happened to me or for example my situation when they broke into my vehicle a couple of weeks ago we could have I, I could have seen it where it's like they broke into my vehicle you know I could have made a big deal gotten upset this and that why my vehicle you know if I'm doing this if I'm doing that but it was a gift from Hashem why a gift because I knew that it wasn't the person who broke into my vehicle it was Hashem tell, te teaching me something why because everything is Hashem it's not the person, it's not the car, it's not the window, it's not whatever it may be. It's all Hashem. And that's what Joseph did. Why? Because it, it, here, uh, Rabbi Wubisk is uh, telling us here, it says he, uh, he did whatever he could to ease the feelings of guilt. He told them, it was not you who sent me here. Where? To prison. It wasn't you who sold me to slavery. It was all Hashem. And he has made me an advisor to Pharaoh, a master over his house and the ruler of the entire land of Mitzrayim. That's something very, like, if you can get to that level, to be able to have 100% bitachon in Hashem, know that it's only Him. How do you call it, David? What do you say? Eino milvado. It's only Hashem. That's all it is. That is a level. That is the consciousness. That That is the... Mentality we should have always. Every single step that we take every single day. Saying that it's only Akadosh Baruch Hu, And it's just trying to connect more to Him. The moment we understand that everything that happens in our lives, no matter what the circumstances may be, whether good or bad, there's no such thing as bad, right? Why? Because it's all for the good. So when, we got, when He got sold to slavery, it could have been... It was the worst thing, no? He was very close to his father. And this is the, it caused separation. He was, you know, because he got sold to, to slavery, he couldn't be around his father. He couldn't do the things he usually does. Not only that did he get sold to slavery, what happened? He got put in prison. Right? He got put in prison 10 years and then he got an additional tw uh, two. Right? So, how would one react in that situation? But how did he react? He didn't hold one minute or one second of resentment, of anger, of sadness, because he knew it was all HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It continues and says, the interaction could easily have looked very different. Many people, when they feel wronged, wish to get even with the offender. And the intensity of their revenge is directly proportional to how high they have climbed on the ladder of success. If the offended person were to become a monarch, the offender would probably play with his life. Did everyone understand that? Yeah. This was not the case with Yosef, who despite his position, he did not exact any revenge at all. So not only did he not take revenge, even though it was his brothers, right? Even though he had the reason, but... Also, the job title that he had, the, the position where he was at. This, he was second in command. He didn't report to anybody. He, 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 was, he was a big boss, as they say, right? So he could have easily done it. Why? Because of, look at a person in my stature. Look at, you know, somebody, I'm in a very high position. You did this to me, of course I'm going to get back at you. 
but he didn't do it, right? It says, moreover, the Torah tells us that Yosef's only consideration when revealing his identity was that his brothers should not be embarrassed. For this reason, before he identified himself, he insisted that all the Egyptians present leave the room. Even though this request put him in mortal danger at the mercy of his brothers, Avodah Hamidol, rectifying our character traits, is the most difficult challenge we face. You know, it's very interesting because usually what happens, especially in, in Abu Dachamidot, is that in any other, it is only here when we study Torah that we realize it's nothing's external, meaning it has to start within. When you start studying Torah, when you start learning Emet, when you start connecting to Hashem, you start, it starts working inside you. You have to start correcting yourself. Any other place, it's always external. You don't work on yourself. You're under, you believe this, you do this, you do that, whatever it may be. Ju uh, not Judaism, but Torah is all about working in your character traits, becoming a better person, right? Sharing light to the world. How do you do that? Is by example. They say, Rabbi Wubi once said in his class of chesed, says what happens is when you pour chesed in a cup, let's just say, what happens is you pour, you take the liquid out and you give. That's not the correct way. What's the correct way is you pour into it overflows. Therefore the chesed that's overflowing connects to the, to the world or to the rest of the people. But you still have chesed. That's what Abraham Avinu did. Is he had the chesed, the kindness, but it wasn't kindness kind of as an act, so to speak. It was who he was. So here, all of our good traits is who we are. It's not the bad traits. The bad traits we have to elevate it. So we can correct it, therefore rectifying ourselves. By doing that, then we are sanctifying the name of Hashem. Right? So I love this next part where it says, We have excellent role models to emulate. However, since the Torah stories of the Avot and the Shevatim depict for us the levels we must strive for, although the spiritual greatness of our fathers was on an entirely different plane. It says in Shurei Humash, Parsha Vayigash 45.15, it says, When will my actions reach the actions of my forefathers? I'll say it again. When will my actions reach the actions of my forefathers? That is something we should live with. We should say it every single day of our lives. Every single morning. And what, what I'm doing today, my actions, what I'm speaking, what I'm thinking, is it like the actions of my forefathers? Who, are, who is the forefathers? Abraham, Abraham Isaac, and Yaakov, right? So that's, that's something that says we must get to that point. Hazal tells us that a person must say, when will my actions reach the actions of my forefathers? It continues and says, and his brothers could not answer him because they were astounded. When Yosef revealed his true identity to his brothers, the Torah tells us, and his brothers could not answer him because they were astounded. They were astounded because at that moment, they were able to comprehend everything that had occurred throughout the past 22 years. So that moment where he says, I am Yosef, everything became clear. So, 
I'm going to jump a little bit, but why is it saying that? Because Rabbi Wubi continues and says, when Mashiach comes and, and Hashem says, Hashem will proclaim, I am, Hash I am Hashem, then everything will be clear. All the bad things that happened to us, all the situations that we had to go through, all the circumstances that we call bad or, you know, oh, this happened to me, that, that, that happened to me, everything will be clear. And we will know that all is for the good. There was really no bad. So what happened to us 22 years ago, going to prison, being sold to slavery, got me to where I'm at now. So was that bad? Was that situation bad? The thing is, is like we, we were discussing the other day when we were studying, everything is perspective. It's all about the perspective. You can, be, you can have half a glass of water in a cup. Some can focus on the part that's empty, or some can fo fo focus on the part that's full. Either way, it's the same cup. It's the same water. It's just two perspectives or three perspectives. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the, at, at the full part or at the empty part? The same thing here is that just because we're going through the difficulties now and we don't have the, res we don't have the results why it's happening, that's why bitachon and emunah is so important. Is that we need to know that every, every, Hashem is only goodness. That's all He, Hashem is goodness. So when something happens in our life, it's for our good. Continues and says, when the brother they had sold into slavery was now standing before them, he was dealing with them harshly because he wanted to be sure they had done complete shuva, the shuva, and would not repeat their mistake. The goblet was placed in Binyanim's sack as the ultimate test. Would they abandon Binyanim in Egypt, displaying the, lack, the same lack of concern they had exhibited to Yosef's earlier years? To Yosef's years earlier. Or would they stand by him in the time of need? The brothers withstood the test and merited to see the entire picture. See, there's a secret there. It's merit. They had to go through the test to merit to see the entire picture. What is, when we go through the test, what do we, what do we have to do to earn the merit? We have to, one, know it's from Hashem and see Hashem in that picture. Does that make sense? That situation, we have to see Hashem in that. Once we do that, we, we turn things around and we earn the merit to see the whole picture. And then we realize that it wasn't bad. Does that make sense or not? Yeah? So it continues and says, Rav Levavich described the coming of Mashiach in, in similar terms. When Mashiach arrives, Hashem will proclaim, I am Hashem, and everything will become crystal clear. Suddenly, all of our questions will be answered. Why do bad things happen to good people? What is the meaning behind financial meltdown? Why are we, const why are we continuously being attacked by our enemies? We will be able to view the entire picture at once. And we will finally understand that the very things we thought were, de were, were detrimental were actually a source of our redemption. And that's in Shirei Chumash Bar Shava Yigash 45.3. That is just incredible. So, can you imagine everything that we, that all of the questions that, that we have, you know, for example, I, I know in the book of the Garden of Emunah with Rabbi Shalom Arush, 
he starts off the book. I don't know if anyone's read it here, and whoever hasn't, I recommend it. Facebook live stream to get to, to read the Garden of Emunah by Rabbi Shalom Aush. It's an excellent book. But he starts off with questions. Why does this person have money? Why do I? Why I don't? Why does this person healthy and I'm not? Why is this person this and I'm this and you know whatever it may be? When Mashiach comes, we're going to have all the answers to that. It's going to be everything just going to be crystal clear. Everything. That's going to be a great, yes. We often ask that question though, why is that person healthy and I'm not? Why do we never reverse that and say, why am I healthy and that person? Why am I getting these It's all perspective. Why am I? I heard a story once, and I'll share it with you. There was this person going to walk into a yeshiva, and he crosses the road, gets hit by a car, and survives. Nothing happens. So he goes, he runs to the yeshiva, he tells the rabbi, he's like, I want to throw a big party, I'm grateful to Hashem. Um, because this happened, I got hit by a car, Baruch Hashem, nothing happened to me. So the rabbi's like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's throw a party. Threw a party, you know, celebrating, Baruch Hashem, doing l'chaim, being grateful to Hashem. Then the next person came, which is one of his uh, students, or not his students, one of his, uh, one of the people that studies with him. And he says, I'm going to throw a bigger party. They're like, why? What happened? Did you get hit by the bus? He's like, no, that's the point. I crossed that road every single day and I haven't been hit by a car. Ba'uch Hashem. It's the perspective. Right? So, it's just something, it's something that if we don't have it, we will have it when Mashiach comes. B'sat Hashem. Any questions? When you were saying that we will instantly know why everything happened and all of that, will we instantly know why we're being judged the way we're being judged? We won't have to ask Hashem, well, why, why are you judging me this way or that way? We will know. We will, we will see the whole picture. We will see it. And actually to add that, to, to add on that, not only will we understand, but we will know that, wow, Hashem, you've really been merciful to us. Like even, like, even though we get judged and whatever it may be, we will know that that judgment that we have will still be mercy. Like Hashem was, was, is still merciful to us. Like, wow, I deserved much worse, God forbid. But it, everything would just be clear. So for example, has anyone here been fired uh, from a job, but because they got fired from that job, they got a better one? Has anyone been in that situation here? Okay. Once you got hired in the new job, and you got, a you got better pay, you got better benefits, whatever it may be, did you see the whole picture? It's like, wow, okay. I'm glad I, I, I got out of that job, of the previous job, because I wouldn't be where I'm at now. For example, my situation. I'm so grateful to Hashem that I had to go through all the stuff I had to go through because I wouldn't be here where I'm at. If I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have merited to have been here. Does that make sense? So, in a similar way, but it's in a broader, it's in a, it's in a bigger picture. When Mashiach comes, we're just going to see, we're going to understand everything. Why we, we came here. Why we decided to come to this world. What do we have to correct? Why we had to correct it? Why we got in the mess to begin with? Everything. Yes, ma'am. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Okay, okay. So. so it continues and says, It was not you who sent me here, rather it was Hashem. He has made me as an advisor to Pharaoh, 
a master to his entire house and a ruler over the entire land of Egypt. That's in 45.8. So it says, Yosef recognized that the entire sequence of, the event, of events leading up to the phenomenal moment was a product of Hashem's Hashgacha Prati and not a result of his brothers. And not a result of his brother's decision to sell him. By selling him, his brothers had intended to rid themselves of Yosef and his far-fetched dreams. In reality, however, their actions were the catalyst for the fulfillment of those dreams, and it was clear that the hand of Hashem had orchestrated all that had tr transpired. So even in those situations, Hashem was, in, was involved. So even when we think, that's why Rabbi Nachman, I see, yeah, Baruch Hashem. It says, Rabbi Nachman, what does he say? No, uh, King, King David is the one who said in Rabbi Nachman's book that if I ascend to heaven, you are there, and if I make my bed in hell, you are also there. Right? So, in every situation that we're in, Hashem is there, whether we see Him or not. Hashem is still involved. So that's why I said here, the brothers were thinking, ah, I was the one who did it. But no, it was all, it really, Hashem was orchestrating everything. Hashem had the plan. So it continues, it says, many people are confused as to what exactly Bechira is. Does Hashem allow events to unfold in accordance with people's free will? Or is everything preordained from heaven, regardless of people's choices? The answer can be found in Chavoz, Chalevavoz, Avodah Elohim, chapter 8. Which writes that both are true. Everything is dependent in our Bechira. And at the same time, everything is preordained by Hashem. So it goes on and says, in other words, we must make decisions as if we are solely responsible for the outcome of our actions. However, in the final analysis, Hashem will arrange things the way He sees fit. So how can we not have Bitachon? How can we not have Imunah? Knowing that Hashem is in complete control of everything. When making a decision, one should not simply take a shot in the dark while rationalizing that whatever Hashem has in mind will happen regardless of one's actions. Rather, he must analyze the issue at hand from all angles. Consult with knowledgeable individuals. In this case, we have to consult the rabbis. And come to the sensible conclusion. At the end of the day, Hashem might make things turn out differently than expected. There's a saying that says, you want to make Hashem laugh? Tell Him your plans. Right? Why? Because it always turns out differently. Hashem has... We may think we're going to buy a red suit, but Hashem says, no, you're not. I want the gray suit. Right? <laughs> but that does not exempt us from our obligation to act rationally, which is our common sense. That's why we have common sense. Sometimes we lack that when it comes to things like this. So, continues and says, Hashem judges us by our actions, not by the ensuing results. We cannot know what Hashem's plans are, but He gave us a sikhol to calculate what is best for us and make decisions that seem right for us. Yet, even if things turn out differently from the way we envision, we can be sure that what happens is what Hashem wants. That's in Shirei Chumash, Parshav Yishiv. I've heard rabbis say that when we make plans, 
and things turned out differently, that is exactly what we needed at that exact time. And that result was exactly, um, what's the word that he used? It was, if it would have been slightly different, it would have completely changed us for the worse. That that exact, so it can be good or bad, so to speak, because we know it's not. That that exact action or that exact outcome is precise to what we need at that second. Who can do something like that? Only Hashem. So we ask ourselves, Hashem is, do we really know Hashem? He's, I mean, can we really comprehend who Hashem is? He's all good, right? But we can only get a little bit. So it continues and says, on 46.29, And Yosef fell on his, on Yaakov's neck and he cried on his neck again. The Torah describes, this is on 46.29. It continues and says, Rabbi Wubi says, The Torah describes the emotion encounter between Yaakov and Yosef when they met after many years of separation. Rashi notes that the Torah only recounts how Yosef reacted. It does not tell us how Yaakov reacted. He explains that Yaakov did not fall on Yosef's neck, nor did he kiss Yosef, since he was occupied in reciting Shema. Such behavior demonstrates Yaakov's incredible menuchah chanefesh, despite not having seen his son for many for more than 20 years, we know that Yaakov was really, really uh, f uh, felt attachment to uh, Yosef, right? So, it says that despite not having seen his son for more than 20 years, 20, more than 20 years, and having been under the impression that his beloved son had died many years earlier, when they were finally reunited, he did not lose his composure. Rabbi Wubi continues and says, Nowadays we have all but lost the midah of menuchah chanefesh. People are constantly busy and many of them are mired in feeling of depression. So when something like that happens to us, what is it that happens? We get angry, we get depressed, we get, you know, whatever it may be. And we see that Yaakov did not feel that way. He had complete bitachon. Why? Because he still kept doing what he was doing. As soon as uh, Yosef came in, what was he doing? He was reciting Shema. So it says, the lack of menucha needed to define who they are without worrying what people will say about them. Others simply cannot come to the terms with their faults and are always worried that people will discover that they are lacking. We, we, we see that in today's generation. Everything is fake. Fake, why? Because they, the person does not want to show what he's truly lacking inside. So they put up barriers. Acting one way, oh, everything is good, this, 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 and that, but it's all fake. Why? Because they're not really being who they are. They have a void inside them, but because they're not correcting anything. They're not tuning in. They're, they're, they're not working on themselves. 
chapters before, though, we heard that Jacob could not be consoled for a long, long time with right. the loss of, of Joseph. Right, right, right. So, at the same time, he was prophetic, and he knew these things were going to come about prior to it happening, right? Right. Yeah, they can't do all at the same time, right? But isn't it that at the beginning, what you just say, but what you say is when 20 years after the... 22, 20 years later, yes. Still, he was born. Yeah, of course. Right? Because he knew. He knew everything is Hashem. The thing is that the, the level that they were at, it's a, such a high level that if they, you see, when they do something or less, when, when, when the Torah says they forgot so-and-so, it wasn't literally they forgot whatever it was. It was just one thought was considered like they forgot everything or they forgot that situation. So they were in such a high level that Jacob knew it was all Hashem. So, no matter what the situation was, yeah, of course, it w he was a father, right? For a father, it hurts that his son, he no longer has his son, or he thought he no longer had son. But I asked the question, do you think he really thought he didn't have a son? Or did he knew that there was something, there's something greater, there's a bigger picture. There's always a bigger picture than us. Uh, I sense that, yes, when he received the news, it's normal, it's natural. Right. Painful, you know? Right. But through time, the... However, the Muna start right. going back to what you are saying right. now, and then he's you know, hoping, hoping. Right, and let me add something to that. What helped them react oh. that, that way? It was a perspective. It was a perspective that he had. He knew, okay, I'm going through this. This just happened. It's my son. I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling. But I know there's a bigger picture here. I may not see it right now, but I know I will one day. So I need to keep having bitachon, and I, keep, I need to keep walking forward and do what I'm doing. I have to still do my job. Right? <clears throat> yeah, because once he was tranquil of this emotion, then he recalled uh, prophecies. He recalled God's plans. Right, right, yeah. Then he started coming down and waiting for this time. Right, right. I understand when I read. So it continues and says, on 47.9, it says, Filling our days with life, the years of dwelling are 130. Few and terrible were the years of my life. Yaakov Avinu traveled to Mitzrayim and stood before Pharaoh. In response to Pharaoh's question, how old are you? Yaakov answers, the years of my dwelling are 130. Few and terrible were the years of my life. Why did not Yaakov simply answer that he was 130 years old? Why did he give such a long-winded answer? Yaakov was telling Pharaoh that dwelling in the world and living in it are two different things. Did, did y'all get that? Dwelling in the world and living in it are two different things. What does that mean? You can live, but not really live. You can be alive and breathing, but not really living. So what is that called? You just exist. So you're existing but not living, but you can live. Right. So it continues and says, he gives a story about this. 
Well, before I go to the story, it'll, it'll, uh, let me continue here. So it, it goes on and says, If Pharaoh wanted to know how long Yaakov had been walking in the face of the earth, then the answer was 130 years. Why? Because he was 130 years old, right? However, this period cannot be considered his life because the years were few and terrible. Yaakov continues, And they did not reach the years of life of my ancestors in the days of their dwelling. Regarding Abraham Avinu, the Torah says in 25.7, And these are the days of life of Abraham that he lived. Similarly, the Torah writes regarding Adam in 5.5, And all the days of Adam that he lived. So it goes on and says, Abraham's 175 years were filled from beginning to end with life. So he lived every single day to its fullest potential, right? And it goes on and says that Yaakov Avinu's true life was living with Ruach HaKodesh and Hashrach Hashinicha. Yaakov felt that he had not truly lived during the many years that he was deprived of Ruach HaKodesh. So the, when, when, although we do not have Ruach HaKodesh, we can define true life as utilizing our days to the fullest. So the story that he says, so we can understand this, was... A man who went to a certain town and was shown in a cemetery, he pursued the tombstones and was astonished to find that everyone in the town had died young. One tombstone said that the deceased had lived for 12 years. And another stone said the deceased was engraved that the deceased had lived to, for 10 years. So in the tombstone it says this person was 12 years old when he died, this person was 10 years old, this person was 13, this person was 15 years old. So when he asked, he said, the, the man was baffled. He says, how can this be? Because he had met the townspeople. So he knew those people who were buried. He's like, how can this be? They, they, they weren't 12 years old. They weren't 13. They weren't 9 years old. So the explanation that was given to him was, the duration of a person's life was not measured by how many years the person actually lived. But how many days were used productively? I'll, I'll say that again. That the duration of a person's life was not measured by how many years the person actually lived. But by how many days were used productively. Rabbi, I want to say Rabbi Nachman, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say it's Rabbi Nachman, it says, if you don't use today... To be a better person, then what do you need tomorrow for? Yes. Was it Rabbi Nachman? Right? Yeah. So, if we are not utilizing today and living it to the fullest potential, by correcting our amidot, by connecting to Torah, by connecting to Hashem, doing Hebrew to do it, whatever it may be, if we're not doing it, then what do we need tomorrow for? So, we can die, Bezrat Hashem, we all live 150 years. But, if we live up to 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever it may be, out of those, let's just say 90, out of those 90 years, how many years are you really living to the fullest potential? Is it five years? Is it two years? Is it a day? That's, to me, this is what it means when we go back, as I read before, Will my actions reach the actions of my forefathers? 
what are our four, what's one of the things that our forefathers did is they lived every day to the fullest potential. That's what we have to learn from that, right? That's a good. That's a good question. Well, I read somewhere. I thought it was in this commentary, but I don't find it now. That because uh, it said the sages have criticized Jacob for his response here to Pharaoh because he's kind of complaining about his life. You know, it's been hard. It's been a lot of travail. It's been this and that. And because of that, his life was shortened by. Is it ten years? Okay. Rabbi Wolby said Sunday that the three patriarchs were were destined to live 180 years, but only J, um, Isaac actually lived 180 years. Abraham mm. was last because uh, he had been told to him that he would he would die and not see his descendants um, falling away. So he right. died before Isaac uh, before Esau went. Um, you know, went down the wrong path. Right, right, right. Why he died early, and Jacob died early because of his response here. But he didn't say why Isaac lived the full 180 years. Hmm, interesting. So, um, it should cover it right now when we get when we keep going. It says, uh, so, continues, says, Hashem said to the Jewish people in Shemur Rabbah 25.13, I will deal with you measure for measure. I gave you the Torah, in order that you should engage it, in it each and every day. Praiseworthy, and, and it states, Praiseworthy is the one who listens to me diligently, frequently, frequenting my door, yom yom. Therefore, I will satisfy your hunger with the heavenly man, yom yom, as it states, and the nation went out and collected dvar yom beyomo. The days of our lives were not given to us as a means to learn and master the Torah. The days themselves are the purpose. Our goal is not to gain knowledge of the entire Shah, as much as it is to learn Torah on a daily basis. Each and every day of our lives must be spent productively. It is imperative that we make a cheshbon hanefesh and scrutinize one area in particular. How do we spend our days? That is the question. How do we spend each and every day? Were they spent constructively and in the service of Hashem? Or did we, negle or did we neglect them and waste our time? With this approach, we can succeed in not merely residing in this world, but in truly living it. Right. Right. Right, right. That's exactly right. We must stop existing and start living. That is, that is, that is the lesson. We need to stop existing and start living, but being productive. Are we doing Hashem? Are 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 we are are we spending our day in the service of Hashem, or are we just wasting time? Because if we're wasting time, then what do we need tomorrow for? So, Bezrat Hashem, may we all grow in our emunah and bitachon, and may each and every day from this moment on be lived to the fullest potential and in the, and in the service of Hashem.